Good morning, George Salamis, President and CEO of Integra Resources, listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange and the NYSE under the symbol ITRG. And so Integra Resources is a pre-development explorer, um, near-term producer, uh, situated or focused with uh, primary asset situated in southwestern Idaho, uh, where we just released a a pre-feasibility study. We'll talk about that. And obviously a very large uh, reserve now of 3 million ounces of uh, proven and probable gold equivalent and a total uh, resource endowment of 5 million ounces of gold equivalent. All sounds good, George. Good to see you again. Um, I haven't seen you since November 2020, talking, well, specifically on the company. Uh, Share price then, 472. Share price now, 215. It hasn't been a good year or so for you what's going on well it hasn't been a good year let's just say for the pre-developers right i mean we've all been sort of beaten up uh handily i believe uh with respect to inflationary pressures that have cropped into all of our projects um there have been a few capex uh, and opex blowouts of late Uh, i won't mention any names but we know who they are but so we we tend to get all sort of lumped in with them Uh, specifically with respect to the share price uh, of late versus the PFS that we put out last week, which we thought was stellar. Um, Some of the retail market didn't believe that. Our institutional shareholders saw the definite merits in it. Um, Look, the investment crowd out there these days is really averse to any kind of CapEx whatsoever. You're, you know, you're fine if you talk about capital required to support a drill program, but God forbid you talk about CapEx that's going to hit you three years from now, four years from now. So that's kind of where we're at with this, Matthew. Right. Okay. So, so what we, okay. Let's get it. We'll, we'll talk um, about a lot of things today, but maybe I think you want to come on here and talk about the PFS. You say the, the institutions see the merits of it. It's, it's not a very exciting uh, emotive word, George. Need to work on that. Um, but the... <laughs> <laughs> but I could have used a different word, by the way. But you know, I'm no. Okay, okay. But um, you, that, that's the one you went with. So you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out what do they see that retail doesn't. It can't just be down to the fact that your car pack seems to have, you know, shot up from what 165 to 282. Correct. So what do they see? So uh, here's what the institutions see. They see um, a scarcity of, of projects like this in tier one jurisdictions, right? There's just not many of these projects that are on their way to permitting and, and development. And it's in a, in a place like the Western US, full stop. There's not a lot of these things out there. Um, they see a project that's going to cost $280 million to build US um, that gets us into 163,000 ounces of gold equivalent production. Um, they see that again, uh, a rarity in, in this environment that we're in, in this era of cost inflation, you know, $282 million of initial CapEx that gets you into the cash flow and, and stage two development. Um, not many of those around. So let's park that. Um, what they see is a scarcity of assets that have 3 million ounces in this case of proven and probable reserves this time around gold equivalent. Um, 5 million ounces of uh, total resources. Again, not many of those out there. Um, so they, they see that. They see a, a project that can be developed relatively easy. What they liked, I think a message that resonated really well with the institutional crowd. I think the retail crowd didn't get it. Maybe we confused them. Mea culpa for that, maybe, is 
the optionality of this project. There, you know, the 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 concept that this is many projects in one. You can start with a small scale and keep leash and ramp up, um, and and then go transition into a larger scale. Uh, milling scenario where you're really ramping up production from there, or if the world is pear-shaped and apocalyptic three, four years from now and inflation is rampant and things are really expensive, well, maybe you just stick with the heap leach, get yourself into a modest level of, of production, 135,000 ounces plus a year um, over a longish period of time, and then maybe you defer that, that expansion. I mean, we don't need to build the big mill straight out of the gate to get ourselves into cash flow. That's the message that I believe that the institutional crowd got. Okay, so the the optionality they they like, the scale of this thing they like, the margins they they like. But you, you can forgive retail for looking at what the PEA said with regards to CapEx cost, 165, leaping right. to by over a hundred million, up to 282. Mm-hmm. You're saying that's still a small number, but you know, you you were ways off there. So what 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 do you put that down to? Yeah. So I and, and I get that too. And we tried our best to message that it's an it's an apples to oranges comparison, really, between the PEA and the PFS. I mean, let's kind of start with the scale, right? So that the the PEA was looking at twenty seven thousand tons per day of heat bleaching. The PFS is looking at thirty five thousand tons per day of heat bleaching. So. 30% increase in, in, in production capacity from, from the heat leach. Step number one, that's going to cost more money. Step number two, uh, from a milling perspective, the PEA looked at 2,000 tons per day of milling. The PFS is looking at six, so three times the size um, with respect to uh, milling. And don't forget, you have to build infrastructure that's commensurate with, with what you're milling, right? So you're automatically, you're, you're not only talking about a lot more kit, bigger scale, but you're talking about a bigger tailings impoundment, you know, all of the ancillary things that go with a, a larger scale operation. And uh, we, we tried to kind of explain that to our shareholders. Don't look at the PEA, look at the PFS. So that, that's the kind of apples to uh, oranges comparison that we're trying to push home. There are a couple of other... Um, I guess items that stuck in in the minds of retail, uh, with respect to say, for example, um, heap leach recoveries. So we're down. You know, I'm going to pick a number: five percent uh, PEA to PFS uh, gold and silver recoveries on the project. No brainer. That's what happens when you go from PEA to PFS. You're doing a lot more study work on the metallurgy, the recoverability of gold and silver. Um, your your sample population has grown tenfold. You're 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 collecting a lot more sample material. I personally have never seen PEA recovery PEA to PFS recoveries go up. They always go down. So I don't know what what the market was expecting there. Um, so we park that for a sec. And then the sulfide metallurgy uh, recoveries. I think that's one where where the there was a lot of focus and and negativity on. Um, Again, maybe my fault, our fault for not explaining it. Um, the PEA looked at processing just Florida Mountain sulfide, uh, which is a bit of a dream in terms of uh, recoveries. Um, we didn't add Delamar sulfide to the PEA. We've added a lot of that material to the PFS. It recovers less gold and silver relative to Florida Mountain. We wish we could have 10 Florida Mountains and only one Delamar, but we have the hand that we're dealt. That said, that Delamar deposit 
in many instances is a silver deposit with a gold credit and not a gold deposit with a silver credit. So if you're seeking to recover a lot more silver, which has an attraction to us and hopefully to, to others, you know, you're going to, you're going to weather the storm of lower gold recoveries as a result. And, you know, we presented a blended sulfide recovery num number for the entire project where we should have probably broken things down a bit more and said high gold and silver recoveries from sulfide met here, moderate here, low gold, high silver here. And again, we probably could have done a better job at explaining, probably would have added two, three pages to a, an already gargantuan 25 page long news release, Matthew. So it, it is what it is. Uh, we still think all that sulfide is, is truly economic. It represents a lot of upside in the future. We can talk about that as well. Okay, so I always say to members, PA is what a project could be, PFS is what it should be, and a feasibility study is, is what it will be. Just, just in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, for me, PAs are plus or minus 30%. It, it, mm -hmm. It's very rare that they come in at the PFS exactly the same. Um, you, need right. to, you need to work hard at those. Okay, so so that's that. On in, in terms of some of the differences. Okay, so we're still talking about 163 million, uh, 163,000 ounces for the first eight years. It's a big, big project. We're we're talking um, also. You know the 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 life of mine is good. The cash costs are good. The ASIC is good. You're making a lot of money. So it's, it's all, it should be all good news. But you, like a lot of people, are also being affected by, and I did want to talk about this in terms of the increase, um, the CapEx, but they also increase OPEX to run these things. The numbers you put in there seem, I mean, they're, they're quite high. Are these numbers here to stay or is this just, again, you being conservative? My view, um, I think, a big narrative in uh, mining full stop across the board in 2022 is going to be inflationary pressure, CapEx and OpEx. So definitely here to stay for this year. Um, I would not want to be uh, a project developer uh, pricing right now. I would not want to be a project developer with permits actually uh, building right now with the with the volatility in, in input prices, earth moving to be a really big one, cement, steel, that sort of thing. It's going to be tough this year. Um, so, you know, as an investor, I'd be looking for a project that can withstand 20, 30, 40% cost blowouts and still be economic. And um, that's, that's, I think it's going to be a big thematic for this year. It, it's kind of like, I, I agree with you on this one. It's a, it's a big topic. And I think we're angels fear to dread in a way, in the sense that companies are delaying putting out economics because they're just nervous about what that will show um, in terms of where the where the company is today. Because you know, gold price is good, but inflation these inflationary costs, and that's that's just not you know that's obviously um, across the board. It's 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 finding people to work for you, how much it costs to encourage them to come and work for you. It's all the materials that you need to order in and the delays to those. It's it, it, it's kind of a, an interesting time for, for companies and I can see why they're reluctant to actually put some numbers out there because they will be judged. They can be judged at that point. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, and I think that's a, that's, that's a good segue into talking about some of the comments that I had from retail. Um, ad addressing that specifically, you know, a few comments along the lines of, 
why did you put out a pre-feasibility study now? Why would you do that at the height of inflation? You know, are, are you mad, basically? Why, why not stick to your what's easy, uh, just keep drilling the same section of, of, of high grade at Florida Mountain, you know, uh, just keep putting out um, expiration results uh, for the project and, and wait for easier times. Short answer to that is there's a time value of money that people, damn it, don't understand, which is we had to do this PFS in order to kick off permitting. Otherwise, the longer the permit gets delayed, the more we push out start time, which means the time value of money released uh, at, and value accretion starts to have a real effect here. And without doing the PFS, there is no permitting. You need a PFS to, 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 to build on the initial stages of permitting from. So, you know, that said, $412 million of US NPV, 27% after tax IRR, it's a good starting place, right? Uh, and, um, that's not all. This project will get better. There are many enhancements, which we, we can talk about in a sec. But primarily, we had to get this study out to start permitting so that ourselves or somebody else can stick a shovel in the ground in three years from now. Well, look, I mean, I remember, I remember doing a summary after we spoke um, November 2020, and I said, this project needs to show some teeth, needs to show some ambition and get some scale into this thing. I, th I think the PFS has done that. So that's all good news. And I think, I remember at the time you said to me, you will increase the size of this project through the studies, right? So, you know, past BFS into, into feasibility study. So that, that option's still, still there for you. But has the, has that, does the ambition remain the same in, in terms of how you go about, um, increasing that scale yourself? Or do you think, actually, do you know what? In this market, given this is a cookie cutter approach to what you did at Integra Gold, and you're going to flip this thing out. You're not going to mine this thing, are you? Just we have to. You're going to mine this thing? You're not going to get a mid-tier to come in? We, we have to take this as far as we can. Otherwise, you know, I, I believe... Now you have to say um, it or you have to do it. It's two different things, right? So you, you have to say it, I guess. Well, that's the end of that conversation, right? But, but what, you, you didn't do it before. And surely you don't, want to, you don't want to do it again. You want to get someone in and well, take so it Well, so we don't want to do it again. <laughs> it's like the man, man sort of holding a gun to his head and said, you know, just don't, uh, you know, don't push me to blow my brains out, right? A second time around. So... No, I mean, last time around, we were we were on our way to production. We were underground, starting to develop and test mine, do all those great things when when um, the, the the trigger was pulled for us by Eldorado. Um, you know, this time around, I believe that we have to de-risk the project, which is we've done to to a really big measure with this PFS. We also have to start um, permitting, and there have to be some signs of life with respect to the permitting authorities that we're dealing with, specifically the BLM. In other words, the big question in people's minds is, you know, great project, but, you know, will it ever get permitted? And the answer is, well, we're going to do our best to do that. And step one is the plan of operations, which we'll be submitting next year, of which the PFS that we just put out is really the, the foundation of that. This is the area that we're going to uh, build a mine on. We're, we're going to put our plant and infrastructure and our heat bleach. Uh, this is the area that we're going to affect. Here's how it's going to be affected. And that becomes the basis of the first major hurdle from permitting, which is the plan of operations. That had to get started this year. How do you defend this? How do you, how do you defend yourself? Because um, if I'm a mid-tier, I'm looking at you at the moment, I'm, like, I'm going... Good project. This will add 
little add to our, our resource and reserve numbers. It's you, they can put a dumb offer in with a small premium, you know, some sort of premium to today, and it's still a bargain, quite frankly. Okay, so you you it's hard to defend from your position. So what do you do? Because like even the feasibility study comes out, and the retailer they punish you for it. So what do you do? I think I think the sort of the the, the biggest defense measure in that case and and god forbid that it happens today let's just say because it would be a crime but um the biggest defense measure today from today would be you know keep pointing at the the upside what's what the investing community is not valuing today you know there are a couple things expiration upside is the big one obviously things like florida mountain and what that high grade could add to potential future production scenarios um, incrementally to what we've just put out on this PFS, you know, call it a half million ounces. What is the budget for that? What's the budget for that? And when you say blue sky, give me an idea. Yeah. So we've got some expiration sort of planned for the balance of this year. It's, it's 10,000 odd meters, right? So that's, uh, you know, it's not a lot of of drill money, uh, obviously, but we're, we, we need to be able to balance expiration and, and uh, upside with, advancing the project from a printing perspective, which also costs a lot of money at the same time. So, you know, for as long as we can, we advance the two in parallel. I think the the biggest danger for a company at our stage would be to simply declare ourselves as a permitting story for the next three years. That's it. Go away. Call, you know, we'll call you when you have the permit three years from now. And that's it. That's, that's committing suicide, I believe, in terms of the capital markets. Um, Conversely, just saying, sorry, uh, no more permitting. We're just going to sit back and explore for the next three years. You're, you're, you're not doing anybody a service by doing that. You're, you're really sort of um, deferring the time clock uh, to the start of production in an environment when from expiration to shoveling ground is typically about 10 years on average. Is that Do I have that number about right? Longer, um, I'm hearing, but yeah, t- longer, 10, 10, 10, 10 to 20. Years. There you go. <laughs> 10 to 20. Seriously. So we're talking three years, right? Yeah. Um, let's do it. Let's let's build up the project resource base, de-risk the project, get it into production, and keep pointing to the blue sky. I think that's the uh, the recipe here. That's so old-fashioned. You're just trying. Uh, you're just trying to make me. money as opposed to creating value. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's, it, but it's, yeah, it is. It's, it's, a kind of, it's a kind of refreshing uh, outlook on stuff. It's like, let's go make some actual cash, cold hard cash. And then or, or some, someone steps in and, 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 and does that rather than creating value through the, through the drill, but expand, expanding to the edges of the envelope. Um, and, you know, as I say, deferring the actual bit that I like about businesses where they go and actually make money. But, uh, you know, there you go. That's the na- nature of the beast. I mean, just, just on the, just on the macro side, I know you just put upon it a little bit, um, earlier there, um, is, you know, you're, you, these prices, you know, you, you'd make good money. Um, there seems to be a kind of big disconnect there too in, in, in the marketplace between gold price, gold equities between um, people's perception of how the how the economy uh, should be behaving uh, where gold should be going it, it it's not the same as it used to be right mm-hmm. what's your take on it all and how does that factor into your thinking about how you how you uh, plan your business um okay well so yeah, again relating to some of the the, the more um, let's just say uh, 
less well thought out questions that I that I had uh, from some of retail. Well, what happens if gold goes to $1,000 an ounce? Clearly, you don't have an economic project here. And to that answer, I would say absolutely, you're full stop right in, in that assumption. Are you investing in this sector because you believe that gold is going to go to $1,000 an ounce? In this inflationary uh, environment, given what's just gone on, do you really think that gold is going to $1,000 an ounce? And, and the answer, from my perspective, should be absolutely not. You're betting on gold going higher than it is. And, and that kind of touches on what I was talking about earlier, which is you know, these disconnects in time. And, and I've seen them um, at different points in my career where you've had rampant inf inflation, rampant uh, risk of some sort in the market, yet, yet gold and silver prices haven't kept pace with that. These periods tend to last uh, for short intervals. They're not long, six months, maybe a year. One or the other catches up. Gold has to catch up in this case to inflation. If you believe inflation is here to stay, if you believe that inflation is going to roll over and things are going to be priced the way they were, you know, pre-pandemic two to three years ago, well, then probably $1,800 is probably it. But we all know that that's not going to happen. So, you know, we've got an economic project at current gold and silver prices, which we believe is going to get better um, with, with higher prices. We're not depending on those. That's the key message, right? We've got really great margins, which is what we've shown, or prospective margins in this case. Um, but we've got a good, great project that can withstand lower prices, but I don't think we're going to get there in, these, in this environment. So given that you've, you've raised 17 or so million bucks in September, you'd raised 23 when I last spoke to you. Is, is that something gets you to, to what point? What's, what's, the, what's the next big milestone that we're aiming for? Uh, so we so you'll see again focus back on expiration while we jump into sort of relatively mundane permitting practices and 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 let's not let's not uh, dispute the fact that that permitting while boring requires capital and time right there's a lot of moving parts to permitting so part of our current expiration our our current budget treasury will go towards that. Uh, there's some geotech drilling, which is boring. Um, there's some metallurgical drilling, which is boring to support the plan of operations. Uh, but in addition to that, we've got exploration in key areas such as Sullivan Gulch, for example, where we put out some great news before uh, before Christmas. We, you know, we're talking 100 to 200 meter wide intervals going a gram to two grams per ton. You don't see those every day if you football fields of thickness. Um, in those areas, uh, Florida Mountain, where we put out a you know, what is it, 100 plus 100 uh, drill intervals of high grade, better than four grams per ton, that none of which have been factored into any resource estimate whatsoever or any mine plan whatsoever. So that's really interesting. So there'll be a, there'll be a refocus on, on exploration over the coming months for sure. In addition to that, we touched on uh, metallurgical recovery enhancements through the Glencore Albion process. Um, which we'll be doing a lot more test work on. We hope to be able to get that into a study of some form to show the economics of what that could do for the project sometime this year. Um, get back to me in a, in, a, in a month or two, and I'll tell you exactly when. Okay, I will. Um, so, and just, just a, so, the, so we're saying that the, the burn rate is not significant. You're not raising money anytime soon. Where, where does it get you through to the current cash situation? Current cash situation, uh, I believe it's twelve and a half million US. It gets us to June. Okay, right. So you um, you, you so will we, we will be having a conversation. 
uh, about that. In, in which case, just talk to me about the, the share registry case, because we, we talked last, last time out, over a year ago, you kind of big institutional, uh, following and reach, et cetera. Retail is a necessary part of liquidity component to, to your story. And goodness knows you need it right now. So where do you go for that money? Well, if you look at the last financing that we did, Matthew, it was a, I would regard it as a quasi rights issue, really, right? So our top, uh, our top, let's just call it 10 shareholders played pro rata, which got us about three quarters of the way there. And the rest was, you know, a few new funds that got in or retail um, that got in to fill the rest of the book. So, you know, my expectation is that our existing institutional shareholder base will continue to be there. We hope to be able to add at least another one or two uh, incremental funds who are showing some interest in the next round of financing whenever that comes. Um, I think that's an important fact as well. Getting getting new players in, in a sector that, as you know, doesn't have a lot of new entrants uh, into it, right? Not a lot of new blood coming into our sector. So, I mean, that's a challenge not only for us, but everybody. But I, I think, again, this project really stands out um, in terms of its, its rarity, uh, its location, its timeline to production and all of those things, which are really rare these days. It, it is. So, and so I just stay on this point, George, but the getting the right type of institution, you know, the bigger institutions need liquidity, right? You know, where they come in with bigger, bigger, bigger check sizes, they need liquidity there. The sorts of institutions you've got now, you'll, you know, you may want to turn those over. I, I, I don't know who they are or, you know, what your relationship is with them or, um, how, how many of them, them there are in, in, indeed, but they all need you to get, get this thing going again and getting, getting, getting a lot more trading going than is at the moment. So you said, okay, people have misunderstood it's apples and oranges in terms of the PA to PFS. Please understand there's a much bigger project. CapEx has gone up because it's a much bigger project. We didn't get anything wrong. Mm-hmm. We just increased the size of the project, guys. And this is now a meaningful project, 3 million ounces, and I say 163,000 uh, gold equivalent uh, for the first eight years is meaningful amount of cash being thrown around here. So how do you take all of that and and does you say so? You know, you're saying it's a standout project. Standout project. It's 130, 135 million market cap. People talking the language of being able to produce the sorts of levels that you are elsewhere in the world are being rewarded handsomely for this. Three, four, five times the market cap that you guys have got. So, what, what, what someone's got to give here. So, what, what do you do? Well, so so the the, the kind of the the two. Actually, three elements that I, th- I think were were things given. And if you're, if basically your question, Matthew, was, you know, where's the liquidity event in the in the near term for the fund who wants to rotate out and go somewhere else? And so the answer is is essentially for this year. Um, I think look squarely at expiration results from places like Florida Mountain. Um, look at you know maybe a near term. Let's get underground and flesh out. Florida Mountain high grade to see what it looks like to get it into a study. Look for some news on that this year. I think that's that'll be a great catalyst. I think from a permitting perspective, um, look for some really interesting results from further test work uh, from a metallurgical perspective that'll come out of the Albion Glencore process uh, that could potentially show some pretty radical uh, enhancements to gold and silver recoveries. 
Again, that would then allow us to look at larger production profiles, more gold and silver recoveries, maybe vault us above the 200,000 ounce mark for the same capital, mas o menos. Um, I think that those are big events. And then also look for signs of cooperation from the permitting authorities in the next few months, six months, a year. Big thing. We hear about this constantly um, on calls with new blood, new institutions. Oh yeah, Idaho, great place. It's it's the Great Basin. It's hosted some very large deposits. We get it. You've got one of those. But you know, look what's happening just up the road at this project or that project in Idaho from a permitting perspective. It seems to be difficult. How do you answer that? Well, we answer that with, well, we're not them. We're in a different part of Idaho. We're a restart of a mining operation run by Kinross uh, up until the year 2000. So this is essentially a restart of uh, an existing mining operation that was in production not too long ago. High, dry, semi-arid desert, uh, nowhere near any uh, forestry service lands, you know, all of those things we think our permitting is going to be relatively straightforward. So I think that those that'll be a catalyst as well. Some information on that, some signs that the, the permitting authorities actually want to see this in production. They want to see all that silver that's going to be produced from it because silver is, is a key part of the greening of the U.S. economy. They, you know, they want to see the jobs that will be created here, high-paying jobs. They'll want to see all of those things and they'll get behind this project responsibly. So I think those, those are three really big interim catalysts to occur over the next six months, year, two years. We will look out for those, for sure. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about them as well, George. Um, but just on just on the environmental component, we, we've heard the same stories about Idaho, flora and fauna causing uh, delays, uh, water causing delays. Is How much work has been done today? How much time, money and effort has been spent on that today? How much more is to be done before you're able to submit? Obviously, PFS done now, but how much... Is it the next three quarters, the next two quarters? Is it going to take you a year to be able to get to a position where you, you submit those fully and finally? And how long does it take for them to get back to you? Yeah. So so essentially the next step for us here, Matthew, is, is the plan of operations, which, as I mentioned earlier, is that it's kind of the definition here on the map is the area that we plan to affect with our mining operations and processing facilities. Um, here's the environmental condition of, the, of that what's in that box, here's how we plan to rec reclaim it, et cetera. So we've done a lot of work um, as a lead up to support that uh, plan of operations or that study, uh, which we're forecasting to be out sometime in the first half of next year. That's the most precision I can give to you from now because we're dealing with government organizations, but that's essentially what we're, what we're looking at. Um, we've done uh, a lot of water quality testing. We've got more of the same to do. We've got, we've done a lot of geotech work. We've got a bit more of that to do. Um, the flora and fauna studies, you know, bear in mind that, you know, you're not just looking at, at flora and fauna over the period of a week or a month, you're looking at it over a longer period of time. We've got a lot of data, thankfully, that came from Kinross, right, when they, as part of their mine closure, which basically started in 2003 and it ended in 2018, essentially, all of that data that was collected over that period of time. So we know we've got a great baseline of, of flora and fauna data that will feed into the study. We've got obviously more to do uh, from that perspective. And um, yeah, you know, you know it, it's, it's a relatively short run from here to there next year. That's uh, submitting that plan of operations. Then comes a year's worth of a re re 
review period, which is where the public gets to weigh in. We like this. We've got some questions about this. We don't like that. What are you going to do to mitigate this? And that's, that's that review period. And that goes on for about a year. And then we answer that in our EIS and our final feasibility in year three. Got and, it. And that's it. Brilliant. Okay. Fantastic. Um, and look, we've managed to avoid using the phrase ESG as well. I think that's well, well done, us. Oh, uh, you, you didn't ask me about that. Come on. I thought you would have gone straight in with that one. Go did, on. Did you, what have you got? Did you not see some of these <laughs> some of these things that we built into the study? That I'll, I'll give you a good, a good I, I, one. I'm staring at a screen so, uh, of, of, of what you've done, but go on, tell us all. <laughs> all right. So, so obviously, so we started we started the study two and a half years ago, and uh, with the marching order, the premise that. You know, we need to be as cutting edge as possible by introducing the most environmentally sustainable practices as, as possible into this study. But the marching order has to be, these can't come at a severe cost to the project economics. In other words, let's favor those things that are not only good for us and our stakeholders from a sustainability point of view, but that actually might actually make money. That's a novel concept, right? So. You keep going back so, to that. George, you keep going back to this making money stuff. I, 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 I'm <laughs> distracting. So, so the, I mean, we looked at a number of things. Um, Railvair is one of them. I think you. I mean, we talked about that in our PFS. It's a. It's a. You know, it's it's a, a means of ore. And thank God I can call it ore for now. All of a sudden, because this is a PFS study, don't don't have to just call it mineralization. It's a means of ore conveyance over land. Um, that's cheap, um, that is flexible in terms of your ability to move these rail cars around and tracks around. Uh, the beauty of, of our situation is Florida mountains at a higher altitude, processing plant is at a lower altitude, maybe 1,200, 1,500 feet of vertical difference there. Overland conveyance downhill, these, these train cars uh, loaded with ore going to the processing plant um, are going at, on a downhill run and it's actually generating electricity for the project. So good, good for lowering our carbon footprint, a cheaper alternative to haulage trucks. And we look, we eliminated, I think it's five haulage trucks, big ones uh, as a result of this, which lowers our, our carbon emissions for the project. So net net makes us money better for the environment. Um, the solar uh, LNG microgrid strategy in terms of power pr provision. That's not what we were originally scoping for this PFS. We were originally looking at a power line upgrade to the project. Um, as it turns out in the 11th hour, that power line upgrade came in at a cost that we couldn't digest. So, you know, we addressing now the lateness of the study. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who said, oh, the study is six weeks late. There must be something really wrong with it. So to those people, I'm looking at them squarely and saying, you know, when you have to retool, retask your engineering crew to come up with an energy solution in the period of about two months, yeah, that takes time, right? But we got it done. Solar and LNG turned out to be a much better solution from a power provision perspective because not only is it lower upfront costs, it's comparable to what Idaho Power can provide us on a kilowatt hour basis, and it's better for the environment. So again, Voila, you know, uh, a means of power provision that actually makes money for the project and our shareholders. What, you know, what could be better than that at the end of the day? Those are the two big ones. Yeah, no, appreciate it. And what do they make solar panels with? 
Oh, oh my God, it's full circle. It's full circle. Yeah. Okay. That was a layup. That, that was a layup, Matthew. Thank you no, for that. Appreciate that. Uh, Lake George, um, better let you go because I know I, I, was, I was slightly late to this uh, interview. I know you've got the places to be. Um, thanks for coming back on. It's uh, far too long since we last saw you. We'd love to see you more often, especially if you're going to go uh, and do some of this blue sky uh, uh, drilling that we want to see. Um, stay in touch. We'll, we'll speak soon. Thanks, Matthew. Always a pleasure.